We are in the second talk of a series on why we sing in worship. This is very tall. Um, it's now very low. Um, this series, um, we're going to look at various different things about why we sing, how we sing, um, uh, what we sing, um, in what method we do it. Um, the reason is, is because we are called in the Bible to sing. Sing songs of worship again and again and again. And now, what a lot of people have said, as I've explained that we were going to do this, they, they've replied, well, of course, not all worship is sinning. It seems to be a, a, um, a, a, a trope of the church. It's become embedded in the narrative of the church over the past couple of decades that actually worship isn't just sinning. When we feed the poor, when we run a youth club, when we start a school, when we care for our neighbour, when we do those things for God, we show he's worth in our life, we worship him. Actually, everything we can do can be worship if we do it for God. And I utterly, completely agree with that. I think it was one of the, one of the main moves that happened that caused this to embedded in our culture as a church was um, Soul Survivor Watford. They planted the church, um, a guy called Mike Pilavachi and a few others, planted a church in, in Watford. Why Watford? I don't know. They planted a church in Watford for young people. It grew rapidly. Music was a huge part of how they grew. The band, they were incredible. And then they realized that actually most people were coming just because it was like a concert. And Mike Pill have actually for some time said, right, we're going to stop singing completely. We're going to cancel the musical part of our worship and we're just going to gather and pray and study the Bible and we're not going to do any, any singing. And it was during that time that Matt Redmond, the worship leader, wrote a song called um, The Heart of Worship. And, it's, and it's, that's a, I think that's a great narrative and it tells us a lot about, about what worship is and how, how music can become an idol. But it also, I worry that we've kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater that we forgot that again and again and again the Bible says sin. Sin to the Lord. Sin praises. Sin out. There's a whole book in the Bible about Psalms. There's a whole book of songs. The Bible seems to put a huge emphasis on sun worship. Sun praise. The church in Acts gathers and it says they sing songs together. When trouble hits the church, they sing praises to God. In fact, heaven is described in in Revelation 4 as a place where sinning happens. Alan spoke about this last week. That actually as we sing our praise here in the heavenly realms, angels and archangels are singing praise as well. That actually as we sing songs of praise, we align ourselves with the values of heaven. We align ourselves with the principles of heaven. We say it in our communion prayer. We join with angels and archangels and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Son, worship and praise is vital to the church. So we come to this passage. This passage in two chronicles. This passage is a passage really quite precious to me. It's it's one of the, the... passages that's been most influential in my life. Believe it or not, two chronicles. I didn't just choose it to make Jeff read all the really difficult names. <laughs> Although that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I, we, we chose this because this has formulated and been foundational in my understanding of why we should sing in worship. 
Because I used to be part of a band, believe it or not. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. You'll all laugh at it. And the band was called King Jehoshaphat's Camels. <laughs> I kid you not. There was no camels in the passage. That was a bit of artistic license. But the band was formulated around the principles of King Jehoshaphat, uh, who was mentioned in this passage. Um, it was a band, um, I, was, I grew up in the Boys Brigade, um, they, they were really the people that introduced me to Jesus. And when I first became a Christian, I desperately wanted to do, do something for God. And the Boys Brigade had this national group called Kinja Hosafat's Camels. I was going to bring you my, my t-shirt, but it turned, that had, has a cam, picture of a camel on it. It turns out that um, there's, been a, there's, been a, there's been a clear out of, of old t-shirts. So I can't show you my T-shirt. Sorry. Um, and what would happen is there was about there was about 30, 40 odd people in this in this group, and we'd meet a couple of times a year. But if you were a church that had a youth group and you wanted to do a a youth friendly service, you'd phone us up and we would load up a minibus full of equipment and we would drive to whatever church. Oh, we did Manchester. We went to the Isle of Wight. We went um, to all kinds of corners of the country and we'd set up. A worship read, and we'd we'd do um, a, a sound read, and we'd lead a service for you. And I I I played lead guitar. No, I didn't play lead guitar. Um, I, I I was the sound engineer. I was I wasn't allowed to sing for some reason. I was the man who set it all up and set the sound desk going, and and and, and did that. And it, after a while, they realised that I was sat at the back doing nothing during the serv- service, and so they go, "Oh, well, you can preach." And before you know, it, I was a vicar. <laughs> That's kind of how I, uh, how I got into this. But it was founded on the principle that worship changes stuff. Worship shapes us. Worship shapes the world around us. Singing to God is vital and important. And that's why we were called King Jehoshaphat's Camels. Because in this passage, we see in the midst of a war... King Jehoshaphat returning to singing and praise again and again and again. So, what's happened in this, this passage, just before we get to that, that bit, was armies have been massing against Israelites. At least three different armies had gathered to fight the Israelites. God's people were in trouble. Directly before the, the bit that we read, uh, King Jehoshaphat cries out a lament to God. He said, God, where are you in this? What are you doing? You're leaving your people vulnerable. He says, oh God, will you not execute judgment upon them, the armies that gather? For we are powerless against this great multitude that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's an army significantly bigger King Jehoshaphat and the Israelites are overwhelmed. There's a problem coming. Where are you overwhelmed? What armies are massing against you right now? What is the situation that just doesn't seem to be achievable whatsoever? The battle that you cannot fight. Perhaps it's a battle you've fought again and again and again, and here it is once more. The armies are massing against the people of God. What armies are massing against us? 
And then God's people respond in two ways. It says they bow down in worship and then they stand up in praise. They bow down in worship and then they stand up in praise. Two different postures and two different words. Bowing down is an act of submission. It's an act of vulnerability. When you bow down, the other person is in charge. Quite literally, you'd bow down in front of the king and, and he, he could literally kill you. You'd got, you're absolutely defenseless. He has the power of life and death as your, as your neck is, a, is open to him. Your, 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 your body and your posture is, is, is available for the king to do whatever he wants. Bowing down says that you're not in charge. Standing up, that's an act of joy, of victory, of boldness. And somehow these two things are connected in the worship of God's people. Bowing down in worship and standing up in praise. And I think our songs, our singing to God, has to feature both these things. Not that some songs are worship songs and some songs are praise songs. There's sometimes some clumsy efforts to do that. But more about what happens in our hearts. As we sing, we have to both sometimes bow down in worship and stand up in praise. We have to both worship and praise. We worship God for who he is. We praise God for what he has done in our lives. We bow down and worship God because he is God Almighty, the Creator. We stand up and praise God because he's acted in our lives. He's shaped and changed us. He's rescued us. He's redeemed us. He's answered our prayers. We need to feature both those things. We bow down in worship completely independent of the situation we're in. Because of who God is. It's not dependent on where we are and the place that we find ourselves. It's not dependent on whether we've had a good week or a bad week, or whether we like this song or don't like this song. We worship God just because he is God. And as we sing praises to God, even in the bad times and the good times, even through the songs that we really don't like, our hearts are shaped. I... Um, King Jehoshaphat's camels were called in to do a um, smirking happening this side. <laughs> There's a lot of smirking. King Jehoshaphat's camels were, we were called in to do a, a service at a, uh, a Methodist church somewhere. And we went there and, um, and there were about 150, 200 people, teenagers. And we set it up and we, we started the first song. Have you ever tried to do worship songs where there's just 200 people on us? And I was down to preach. Not one single piece of reaction, just... What do you do? You worship God. Because actually, the worship band is not dependent on whether or not everyone's joining in. It's, for, it's not for them, it's for God. And I stood up and preached after having spent, spent the worship time in the back really trying to just focus on the Lord. I stopped preaching, and my preach was awful. There's no good ending to this story. It was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. But 
It's not dependent on who we are and what we've done. Sometimes we have to choose to worship God simply because of who he is. But if we just do that, worship becomes abstract and distant from our lives. We also have to praise God for what he's done, what he's doing, what he promises that he will do. Again and again in the Bible, we see people, people greeting momentous news in song. Moses and the Israelites sin when, the, when they cross the Red Sea. Miriam responds in song. David sings all the time, it seems. Solomon sings out praise. Mary sings out the Magnificat. Zechariah sings. We have to respond in song to good news. We have to stand and praise. Because if we don't stand and praise in the good times, in the bad times, we don't stand a chance of finding God. We rehearse finding God in the good times. So when the bad times happen, we know where he is. So why do we sin? I think that comes at the end of this story. The end of King Jehoshaphat's um, tale that we're told here. The armies are gathering. The Israelites have an army. You guys are Israelites' army. You've all got swords and shields and various bits and pieces. And what they do is rather than sending out the army, they send out the worship band first. Defenceless, just with musical instruments. Rather than facing the army with the people with swords and such like, they send those with instruments and guitars and drums and triangles or whatever they had those days. Now there's two possible reasons why this is. One, it may be that King Jehoshaphat didn't like the worship band. I send them out, get them, they can die first. Or he recognized, as it says in the passage, that the battle is not yours, it is God's. That worship, sun worship and praise shapes the situation they're in. That when the battle is too big to be won by by God's people, worship and sinning changes the situation. And lo and behold, the worship band goes first. They sin praises to God. They know, they declare that God is kin and the Lord acts and the battle is won. The armies turn in on themselves. The battle is won not by effort. The battle is won not by out the army's skill. The battle is not won by glorious tactics. The battle is not won by you trying even harder to get over those problems that you get. The battle is won by sinning to praise to God. By declaring in song that God is king. The battle is won in song. When we sing songs, we don't just sing nice tunes. We are declaring that God is kin, that God has rescued us once and he'll rescue us again. The battle is not yours, it is God's. This is why this passage is so important to me. This King Jehoshaphat's camels, no smoking, rescued my life. In my late teens, early 20s, as I went through all those those times of searching that you do in those times where I didn't know where my career was going to go, I didn't know what 
what life would look like. I didn't know what relationships were like. I just was a mess. Twice a year, gathering friends, worshipping God, singing praise, reorientating my soul again and again back to Jesus. If I had not had those times of worship, I dare not think where my life would have went. The times that God spoke and said, change church, stop doing that. Move on with your life. Remember me, were times of song. And it fits with this story that when faced with the problems of life, singing songs to God may seem a bit pointless, but actually maybe it's the only thing that will defeat the armies that gather against us. Maybe it's the only thing that will rescue us and save us. Because when we sing songs, we remind ourselves that Jesus is the king of our life. But the battle is not ours to win, because it's been, the victory has been won through Jesus Christ. So should we sing songs? Should we sin that death is defeated? Should we sin that God is Lord of our life? I'd like to stand.